Let's open our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we do a little review here. Um, <clears throat> we talked about hope, this blessed hope, you know, and um, the reunion that we look forward to for the believer, for the rapture that God has planned for us. And he says to encourage each other with these words that Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning and he is our blessed hope and that we shouldn't be grieving as those who have no hope. And the Thessalonians, they were worried about those believers who had died that they would miss out, but <clears throat> they won't. And we will be reunited with them and, and those who believe that Jesus died and rose again. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. We'll look at those. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Those are some encouraging words. I, I can understand why he's saying that, to, that we're going to be together. We're going to be reunited, those who believe that Jesus died and rose again. We're going to be with him, with Jesus, forever. So the big question is, is always, uh, as we read here, is when? When is that going to take place? And I promised you last time that I would give you all the answers. So I'm going to work at it here. But the early church... The thing about the early church is they expected Jesus to return at any moment. Now, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what, you know, what's been taking a long time, but Jesus promised that he would return, and they were looking for it, and that's one of the reasons Paul writes these words that he wrote in chapter 4 and in chapter 5 and in 2 Thessalonians and, and so many places in these two books, because they were like waiting, but they were a little confused like, well, it's supposed to happen today. Like, it could happen right now. They were ready. They were, they were expecting it to happen at any moment. So how does that affect us? So how do we live? How do we, you know, what do we do? Make, make me think about this picture, though, of having children. And, you know, the time gets close. You're, you're expecting and, you know, you're getting, you're getting close to the end of this period of time. And, and what I've seen is, you know, the, the bags get packed, right? And, they, and they, you put the bags by the door. How many of you did that? Any of you ever done that? You, you pack the bag, you put them by the door so that they're ready. You're ready. You have the, the nursery room. That's all ready. You know, all the stuff is ready in there. Maybe... Um, I wonder if any of you ever did this too. Maybe you even take like long walks to help like bring it closer, make it happen sooner. Anybody tried those kinds of things? They usually don't work, by the way. But the fact of the matter is that it is going to happen. It is going to happen. We just don't know when it's going to happen. It's the same with the return of Jesus. It is going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. But we need to be ready. We need to have our bags packed. We need to do what we need to do 
to be ready for that day. Look at chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible word, and, and we do pray that our hearts would be open and, and that you would speak and that you would um, help us to understand what it is that you want us to understand today, here, now, in Jesus' name. There was a farmer, and he had this old hound dog, right? And, and <clears throat> he loved this hound dog. <clears throat> and uh, one day the dog disappeared. And, you know, for weeks the dog didn't come back. And, but in spite of this, the farmer, he would go out and he'd put fresh food out there every single day for that dog. Every single day. And one of the neighbors saw this and he said, you know, like, why are you doing this? The dog is not coming back. He's not returning and the farmer said this, these words. He says, he'll be back. He knows I'm waiting. I'm here waiting for him. And when he gets here, I want him to know that he is welcome back. I want him to know that he's welcome. I don't want him to know that I've been waiting for him when he comes back. Not some old stale food there. Not no food at all, given up. The writer wrote this, as we wait for Christ's return, we prepare ourselves each day to meet him. We, pe we prepare ourselves each day to meet him. I wonder about that. I thought about that in terms of my own life. Are we, are we even thinking about it? Do we, does it ever even cross our mind that Jesus is returning? And it could be today. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. But the fact is that he is promised to return. Uh, I read this, and this is pretty interesting. It said both the Old and the New Testaments were filled with promises of the second coming of Christ. Old and new. Someone's reported there, there are uh, 1,845 references in the Old Testament alone, and a total of 17 books that give it prominence. It said of the, of the 260 chapters in the entire New Testament, there are 318 reference, references to Christ's second coming. And that averages one out of every 30 verses. Now, I'm not sure about the, these, uh, these statistics here, whether they're accurate or not, but the point of the matter is that it is repeated an awful lot in the Bible that Jesus is returning. 23 out of the new, uh, 27 New Testament books refer to this great event. That is a lot. Barbara talked about prayer being, you know, uh, you know, part of the word of God, Spurgeon, uh, quoting Spurgeon. Well, the, the return of Jesus Christ is, is over and over found in the Bible as well. So it is something that we should pay attention to, we should think about, we should like get on our radar. He says here in verse 1 of chapter 5, you know, brothers, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you about the times and the dates, and, and this times kind of signifies periods of time. And date signifies a specific point. He says, I can't really tell you when. But I think the message that I see in these verses and the message that Paul, when he talks about the return of Jesus, is that it's coming and we need to be ready for it. I see that. That's the kind of idea that we need to have our bags packed by the door. 
Now, that doesn't mean, for those of you saying, well, here we go, he's going, he's going to get wacko on us now. That doesn't mean that we sell everything. We go up on top of the mountain, we just look up, and then you give all your money to the leader who is a wacko. And no, it doesn't mean that at all. I think the idea is that we need to be ready, but we still need to do what we need to do. We keep our hand on the plow. And we don't look back, but we look up. If I can stretch that a little bit. Now, it's not bad to think about what's going on in the world. The uh, men of Issachar, it says in 1 Chronicles 12, it says they understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. They understood the times. They thought about like what was going on in the world. And as I've mentioned, the Bible has so much prophecy about the end times, about what's coming ahead. And, and so we, we should look at it. We should think about what Daniel says. We should think about what the book of Revelation says. We should think about all these other passages that, that speak about uh, the days that are coming, but not to the point of setting dates. I think that's where we need to be careful. So I, I promised you, but I lied. I'm not going to give you a date today. And I will repent. Somebody wrote this, uh, I, I read recently, you know, they, they come to the, the brand new year and, and, you know, the prophecy update kind of thing every year. There's this prophecy update and, and uh, you know, those are fine. Those are good things. But this guy, he, he says this, he says, uh, he said that in his Christian lifetime, he says, I've survived. He has a list of things, excuse me, the new money system, which I don't really know what that is. Uh, the Jupiter effect. Anybody know what that is? How about this? The 88 reasons Jesus was coming in 1988. I remember that. And then he switched it to 89. How about the Hale-Bopp comet? Hale-Bopp. Not Bop. Bop comet. That was supposed to bring some kind of weird, you know, confluence of things coming together, and then this was going to happen. Uh, how about the Bible code? Now that had all the answers. That guy, whatever his name was. How many of you remember Y2K? Like, the world is going to fall apart at Y2K. And nothing happened. Uh, There's a guy named Harold Camping. He picked out some dates in May of 2011. That's just a couple years ago. Uh, Last year, there was a Mayan calendar. That was supposed to have some great significance. That came and went. And this year, he says it's what's called the blood moon tetrad phenomenon. Any of you heard about this? The blood moon tetrad. He says uh, that in 2014 and 2015, there's going to be four lunar eclipses coinciding with the Hebrew Feast of Passover and Sukkot. He says, as with its predecessors, this has many assumptions and acknowledging only the factors that fit while ignoring the ones that don't. He said, having said that, I hope it's not true, only because I hope Jesus comes for us before we even see 2014. He wrote this before 2014 started. And then he writes this. This is interesting. He says, the early church didn't have a need for Google, astronomical charts, and prophecy watch updates to keep 
to cause them to be excited about the rapture and the Lord's coming. They just lived it, he says. They just lived it. They didn't need all that stuff. And, and yeah, some of those things are interesting to look at. But <clears throat> it's all in God's hands. You know, I was talking last time about pre-trib and post-trib and mid-trib. And, and I, I, I mentioned this in a roundabout way, but, but someone reminded me that there's also one more called pan-trib. You've, you've heard of that? Pan-tribs. That means exactly how God wants it to pan out. That's how it's going to pan out. And, and really, ultimately, that's what we have to know, is that God's going to work this thing out. It is, gonna, it is certain. It is going to happen. Jesus is going to return. The, the, the events of the end days and how they all play out, exactly how they fit together. God has a plan. It doesn't matter, you know, there are so many different views and so many different things. It doesn't matter the way we look at it. God has a plan and God is going to work out His plan despite what we think, despite how we think it should happen, how we have decided that this is how it's going to be. God is going to work it out. But wanting to know when. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 24 because we're not alone in this. Wanting to know when. Matthew chapter 24. Chapter 24 and starting in verse 3. The disciples, they came to Jesus. They asked him when. There's a whole section of, uh, of this uh, book of Matthew that talks about uh, the end times. And verse 1, let's look in verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another, and every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age. They wanted to know when. But in, that, in those questions, it, there, there wasn't just one thing that happened because the truth of the matter is in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed completely, not one stone left standing upon another. But all the rest of these things have not happened yet, right? He hasn't returned yet. We haven't seen the end of the age yet. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Be careful, there's going to be people that, that are deceivers. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. A nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. You can read about more in this chapter here about some of the things that are taking place. And, and you can look at some of these and say, and, and people have done you know, uh, research, well, these kinds of things are increasing at an alarming rate. And, and others say, well, you know, but that's not really any more than what we've seen in the past. So you can you know, be careful. But the fact of the matter is it's that Jesus is coming back. He's returning. And are we ready for that? That's the point. 
The point to be ready. Jump down to verse 36 there in Matthew 24. He says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows the day or the hour. Well, I know the week, so I can tell you the week. I don't know the day or the other, but I know the week, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you that right now. We've heard that kind of, well, I know the year. Well, I know, you know, you know kind of when it's going to happen. And the day or the hour, that's the, the, the surprising part. I think that's pushing it a little bit, don't you? Look down at verse 43. He says, but understand this, actually verse 42, but therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of, the night, of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would, have not, would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You must be ready. That's what Jesus said. That's what Paul's saying. That's what the Bible is telling us. Are we ready for it? Are, 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 are we spiritually ready? Are, are we, have, we, have we got our spiritual house in order, so to speak? Have we surrendered our life to Jesus Christ and, and we're ready for him to return? Or are we just kind of putting things off, procrastinating? Someone said this, as the time is uncertain, I always have everything ready each day. I always have everything ready each day. Back to Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, he says, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Same thing that Jesus said. One commentator said this, the Lord will return suddenly and unexpectedly. So believers should be ready. There will be no opportunity for last-minute repentance or bargaining. Suppose he were to return today. How would he find us living? Are we ready to meet him? That's a pretty good question, isn't it? How would he find us living? Are we ready to meet him? If he would return right now, today, what kind of life am I leading? What kind of things am I involved in? Am I going to be embarrassed? Peter said the same words, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Turn ahead a couple pages, please. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming. He's returning. And our being gathered to Him. Oh, I like that. That's what we saw in chapter 4. Be gathered to Him. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs, 
The man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Some of the things that are going to be taking place. Again, he's giving us a picture. We'll look at this more when we get to this book uh, shortly. But he says that, that you know, we shouldn't be, become easily unsettled or alarmed. When Jesus comes, we're going to know he comes. We're ready for him. Chapter 5, verse 3 says there, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. Peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains. Those were, as some have said, the, the slogans of the Roman Empire. Peace and safety. Peace and safety. We've got it all together. We, we are, you know, we have got this plan. Now, the Roman Empire is, you know, not really around right now. There's going to be a revived Roman Empire, depending on how you look at some verses. But there's this false security. And I want you to notice one thing as we come to the end of this, this uh, study here today is that there's a difference from the hope of chapter 4 for the believer, there's hope. To the unbeliever in chapter 5, he says that to watch out. He says that there will be destruction that will come. There will be separation that will come. Look ahead to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Again, just turn the page. In verse 7, he says there that in the middle of the verse, this will happen. He's going to give relief to those who are believers. He says, but this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. You see, there's a big difference from the believer and the unbeliever. For the believer, there's hope. There's to be together with him in the air, to be together with him forever, this re reuniting with, with those that have believed. But for, for those who are unbelievers, those who do not believe, those who do not obey the gospel, he says that they're going to be separated. Separated. Shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. We are looking and waiting for his return with hope. But, but we have to keep in mind this fact that for us it's hope, but, but for the rest of the world, it, for those that are unbelievers, it, it, it also ushers in judgment. It, it ushers in a period of destruction for those that reject the Lord Jesus Christ. It ushers in desolation and darkness. And, and so while we really, really want him to return, we also have to know and look around us like, well, what does that mean for everybody else? And that's why Peter says, you know, that, that our Lord's patience means salvation and, and he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that, that all would come to repentance. This, I think, just knowing this idea and thinking about this should, should cause us to let others know that we need to be ready for his return, but we also need to stay busy until he returns. 
Go back to Matthew chapter 4 one more time. Just two more verses I want to read before we take communion together. Matthew chapter 24, back where we were. I should have had you keep a marker in there. Matthew chapter 24, verse 45. He says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. It's good, he says. The master will find us busy when he comes back, doing what he's given us to do. He sees he's all given us something to do. We may not know what it is, but he's given us something to do. And for him to return, find us doing it. Someone said this, that, that John, John Wesley, the, uh, the man from England, uh, the preacher from England who uh, spent miles and miles and miles on horseback going around through the countryside and, and all over preaching the gospel, um, it says that he was asked at one time, what would you do if you knew that tonight you would die, what would you do? This is interesting. He says, that great preacher of years gone by said this, I would do exactly what I have scheduled to do. That's interesting, isn't it? What would you do if he was going to come back down? I would do exactly what I planned or scheduled to do. We got to stay busy. We have work to do, someone else said. He says this, it's good that we don't know exactly when Christ will return. If we knew the precise date, we might be tempted to be lazy. Worse yet, we might plan to keep sinning and then turn to God right at the end. I kind of have heard that idea before. One more passage, Acts chapter 1. Go ahead to the book of Acts chapter 1. He's coming back. Jesus is returning. What's he going to find us doing? Being lazy? Getting in trouble? Doing things or, that we shouldn't be doing? Or, or he's going to come and find us doing what we're supposed to be doing? What he's called us to do? Look in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, when they met together, this is just before the Lord would ascend into heaven. The last words that he has given them before he ascends into heaven. When they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel. They, you know, they're still kind of like confused and wondering like, okay, is it, this is going to happen now? He's, he's risen from the dead. And look what he says to them. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. We've already talked about that. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, you don't need to know the dates of the time. They're, they're, it's going to come. But he says, what's, what you do need to know is that you re will receive power. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and you will be what? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to those uttermost parts of the earth. That's what we need to be busy with. Letting other people know, not just, you know, I got my ticket and my bags are packed and I really don't care about anybody else. Stay busy and occupy till he comes.
Let's pray together, shall we?